Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Well, guess who it is again? It's AMD. Have you missed me yet? Have you missed me? It's only been seven days. I know you missed me. Um, You know, I just love telling you about how I feel and what I'm dealing with. And um, something that's like always kind of come up for me and comes up a little bit later in this podcast episode is um, like religion and stuff. (laughs) Um, I was just texting with my brother the other day and, um, my brother and I talk about some pretty radical things, um, when we have the opportunity to chat and, um, something that's come up for him recently and it's definitely been coming up for me for a while now is this like lack of, um, separation of church and state. And, um, it's, it's bothers me that the word God is on the dollar. It bothers me that, we have to pledge allegiance to God at school and, you know, when we were going to school as children and, um, and I'm just seeing more and more, it's almost like it's getting intertwined more and more as time goes on. And as someone who's not a religious person, um, it is just getting more and more fury infuriating as time goes on. And I'm really unsure of what to do about it. And like, if there is anything that can be done, about it. Um, and I find religion to be, uh, especially specifically like, uh, Catholicism, evangelical, um, sects and, and things like that. I find it to be really damaging and really hurtful to many, many communities and to humanity as a whole. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I read the news a lot <laughs> and I see a lot about what's happening in the world and, um, yeah. And I always kind of come to this conclusion that, you know, really serious organized religion is kind of at the root of a lot of issues, including racism. And so that's something that we're going to get into, um, t- more towards the end of this podcast. Um, and so, you know, I just kind of want to also put that out there, um, in case you are super religious and you're listening to this or, um, you know, I, I just don't, you know, I like to give trigger warnings. And so I don't know if religion is a trigger for some of you. So, um, but I'm really excited for you to listen to Posh. Uh, she has a lot of amazing insight, wisdom, um, research that she's done. And she's also, uh, you know, a pretty well-known name in the kink community and the kink sex work community. And so, you know, she kind of lives this, you know, she grew up religious and then, and then she turned into like a kink sex worker and, you know, there's, it's a really different thing, right? It's like, it's like a totally end of the spectrum type of thing. And so it's always really fascinating to me to to see sex workers who grew up in a religious household turn into sex workers. Um I, I and I and I say that to say like I would love if to know if somebody has done a study on this <laughs> because um I seem to come across that a lot here on this podcast. So if you all know of any studies in this uh, arena, please let me know because I'm really curious. Uh, Without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Madam Posh. 
Hi everyone, I'm AMD. So excited to be inside your earballs again. Today's guest is going to be Madam Posh. Before we get to Madam Posh, though, you know the usual. Hello, we're taking donations now because we would like to eventually pay our guests. We would like to pro re retroactively, that's the big word, retroactively pay past guests and be able to pay future guests. Why? Because they deserve it. If you love this podcast and you would like to donate, please go to paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast. And if you don't feel like going to PayPal, you can go to yes, a stripper podcast.com and click on the donate button. Thank you so much in advance. And thank you to those who have been donating. Really appreciate your tips. So without further ado, let's get over into posh. What's up? How are you? Well, sip I am great. Sorry. <laughs> no. I thought I was going to get that in there, that <laughs> sip of that drink in there before you, uh, I cut it too close. I am great. And I am super excited to be having, uh, this conversation with you. Thank you. Me as well. Before we get into the, the meat of what is you, can you let everyone know what your pronouns are? Yes. Um, I do. I, I have recently, publicly started identifying as non-binary, but I do still go by uh, her, he pronouns. Um, if you if you call me a gentleman or handsome, I'm going to think that I, I pulled out my mask look very good. My mask going to look very good that day. So uh, either or is fine with me. And uh, and that's uh, either or is what you may get on, on a day. You may yeah. get Beyonce or you may get Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah, I've actually noticed because I was stalking you on Instagram, which is one of my favorite hobbies, stalking sex workers. And, yes. and because every time that I've had the pleasure of speaking with you on Zoom, um, you're typically like, this is your presentation, like no makeup, hat on, sweatshirt. And then when I was on your Instagram, I was like, oh, hello, you bright red lips and beautiful, like, you know, full hair. And, I'm, and I was like, oh, wow, there's like, you know, and each are like, you're equally beautiful no matter what you do. But it was just very interesting to see sort of the difference in you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I was growing up, uh, I was a tomboy until I was uh, about 13 or 14. Like I wore guys jeans and uh, basketball jerseys because uh, nice. I played basketball. Um, and uh, I always all my best friends were always very girly. Um, but I just like it, even during recess, most of the time I played like sports with the guys. Mm -hmm. um, and then to be honest, uh, and I'm sure we'll get more into this. Um, uh, you know, I'm a, a dark skinned black woman who was definitely sexualized at a very young age. And I was um, I was adopted. Uh, so I was raised by white parents. And um, uh, we'll get more into that, too, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But very religious, conservative white parents. And my mom very much pushed on me um, a very specific, pure, um, performative hmm. femininity because it was always performative for me. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, as we're going to get in today, as talk about kind of kink and some of the things that I do now that I've been able um, to allow me to kind of reclaim my own um, identity and have to be less performative. I think I actually did a post about this on my social media yesterday about how, um, you know, I've had to perform femininity in uh, my entire life, adult life, uh, most of the time, uh, often to put a roof over my head, whether mm. it was in the strip club or in a 
a serious business office setting. Um, and so to be in a space where I don't have to, um, or I can take ownership and don't have to perform that for people, cis men to listen to me, um, (laughs) is very empowering. Um, so, uh, and again, I like, like, I I've always loved the art of fashion. I love playing with, with different looks. I love that, um, my mom blessed me with DNA so that, you know, different wigs give me completely different looks. It's really fun to play with. Um, and, you know, my hair has been, it's really short right now, uh, my natural hair, but it was a little bit longer a few months back. And I still, you know, wear my hat all the time and stuff. And then I have a couple wigs that are froze. And um, I put one of my froze on one day for a live stream. And it was really, it was really touching and also kind of endearing all the white people are like, oh my God, you did your hair. I didn't know. Like, and I was like, <laughs> bless your heart. I like, at least you understand what shrinkage is, but that was not my hair. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and like if I had a fro as big as my wig, I would not have time to do all the things that I do. Um, and like at the end of the day, um, you know, I can definitely say all these things about, oh, yes, I'm discovering my identity. But I, I cannot discount the fact that it's just time sometimes. Like we've been in quarantine and like if I don't have to put a full face of makeup on to do my job, I don't want to have to because oh, I've had to absolutely. for 13 years. Like. You, you, I mean, you've been a stripper. I feel you on that. Yeah. People are like, how do you do your lashes so easily? Well, I had to do them seven, six, seven (laughs) days a week for six years. Um, so part of it is, is just, is like time. Like, do I want to spend 45 minutes doing my makeup when I could maybe get other things done? Um, and it doesn't really matter whether my makeup's done or not. Also, you know what? Another thing, one of my, a couple of my boyfriends in the past, I remember like having like barely no makeup on. I go in, I do the whole work and I come out and they're like, um, it doesn't. Okay. Oh, I see you put something on your eyes. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Okay. So if y'all don't give a fuck, <laughs> like if you all right. don't notice this, right. like if I go to the gas station looking like a bum and I still get hit on, why am I making all this why? effort all the time? Yeah, yes, exactly. And that happens all the time too. I be I literally would get hit on at the gas station like in nasty ass shit. And I'd be like, what? I'd be like genuinely shocked. Like <laughs> what it, the fuck do I you want here? Yeah. to <laughs> repel people <laughs> like and like yeah yeah I wonder if that speaks to just like you know it's not actually about sexual attraction in those moments it's more about like exerting power you know yeah it, and capitalism yeah. <laughs> like it's it's a lot of just the companies telling us you need to have your right that too okay you gotta have this and your celebrity person uses this thing um in but order let's be to honest. be attractive in yeah. order to be attractive yeah yeah but who mm. who really notices when your face is beat other women and gay men like and drag queens, <laughs> right? And and so like let's just be honest, we're not doing it for the cis men. We're not doing it if you're straight, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for that compliment. You're doing it for the drag queen to go, girl, yes, your be- your face is beat. And that will make you fall out more than any man running after you any day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, you're making some really excellent points right now. Yes, yes. Thank you. From uh, my experience. <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah, I want to get into like some of the st- 
stuff that you do for sex work because it's yeah. it's all stuff that's like really um out of my lane and I'm I'm very interested and it's you know very curious but I just don't know enough um and so I was hoping you could educate me and others who are in the same situation as me and so yeah. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that you do is rope bondage. You're into rope bondage pretty heavily. Yes. Yes. I'm heavy. I'm hooked. Yeah. So like, how does one get into rope bondage? And how do you at what point are you like, oh, this is the thing for me? Because it's very specific. It's very intentional. Mm -hmm. So what was that for you? Yeah. So yeah, I guess I'll just um, explain. So I I um, I'm a dominatrix and I do kinky BDSM things um, just to start there. Um, I got into, uh, interestingly enough, as a sex worker and a stripper uh, for six years. Um, And then, well, and then on and off in between when needed. Um, But uh, I was around people who, who practiced this kind of lifestyle or did kinky things, went to dungeons all the time. Um, and, uh, just never like my best friend married her dom and, uh, like I knew they got married. I knew they were husband and wife. And it wasn't until I kind of found out about kink. And then I was like, I was curious. And then I was like, I think my friend has mentioned that she, that, that she had got flogged before. Right. And, and so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to call her. I was like, do you know anything about this? And she's like, yeah, I married my dom. And I was like, what? What? You've been in this the whole time? Yeah. Um, and like part of it was, you know, what was I, what did I miss out on? Because you didn't tell me about it. And the other part was like, what about our friendship made you feel like you couldn't tell me? Right. <laughs> like, you know? Like, yeah. Um, so uh, funny story. I actually remember I was hanging out with a, a couple I was good friends with when I, I, I stripped with the with a girl and we would go back to their house and drink party after work and stuff like that. And one night I remember, uh, we were talking about sex stuff and she's like, Oh yeah. She's like, I have a butt plug that is, um, a unicorn tail. And I was like, Oh really? I was like, cool. And she's like, yeah. And then her boyfriend was like, you should go put it on for her. And she's like, no. And he's like, you should put it on for her. And I was like, yeah, sure. Put it on for me. But like, I didn't like, um, and so she did, she came back down on all fours, uh, with the butt plug in and it was beautiful. It was like long rainbow, like yes. unicorn. And I was like, I was like, well, get, that's adorable. Get you <laughs> and I just went on with my life. Like, I didn't even think I was like, I knew they did crazy. Like she had a butt plug. That was a little piggy thing too. Like mm. pigtail. So I never thought anything of it. Um, Again, until about five, six years ago, uh, I was newly single dating and I had a couple gentlemen uh, reach out to me on a dating app uh, wanting to do this type of lifestyle. And I was after the third guy, I was like, well, I keep attracting people that want to do this. So maybe Mm. I should at least know something about it. Um, And then, to be honest, I spent like a year researching, like I went to work and then I came home and researched uh, before I went to any kind of event or anything like that. Um, And then um, I went to an event. I think the first event I went to was in Houston. It was what they call spank hosts. Those are people who are specifically into spanking. And uh, kind of the second I went into it, I was like, oh, these are my people. Where have you been all my life? Um, Because it was 
um, oh, what's the best way to explain it? It was kind of like, um, oh gosh, why am I going to forget his name right now? One of my favorite artists um, from the 60s. Uh, his muse was Edie Cedric, and I'm hating myself that I'm forgetting. Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol, thank you. <laughs> so Andy Warhol uh, had what was called the factory, yes. um, which was basically, it, it was a warehouse building in which all of his artist friends just came and like made art. They like painted or they danced or they filmed videos and it was a safe space for trans people and queer people and people of color. And, um, you know, minus, you know, some of the racism and the hard drugs. Um, like, uh, it was definitely something I'm like, oh, that just sounds like the place to be, right? With right. all the weirdos and the artists and the rejects and like, that's 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 home. Um, and that's how I felt when I kind of went to my first kink event. So then I just was just head in. Um, and uh, it was uh, my friend, actually, um, I, he, I was starting to get into starting my pro dom business and um he needed a he needed someone to come with him to a rope bondage class to like bottom and so me and my friend came with him um and i figured i'd go because i'm like oh you know i'm doing this for work um yeah as pro dom i should know a few things about rope i'll probably have a client that might want something um and then i went and the teacher was amazing very charismatic and uh, I think it was took like the second session before I was like, oh, my God, I love this. Yeah. Um, and I do remember particularly he was he was showing us a harness and um, he was teaching with his one of his partners. And so uh, he got he kind of got excited. He's like, oh, you know what we actually sometimes do? He's like, this isn't part of the class. And I was like, and he's like, and don't tell anybody I teach you. I taught you this because um, it was neck rope, which is something that like within the rope bondage community, it's like, you know, we all do neck rope, but we don't really talk about neck rope. And like, people don't really want to teach about neck rope, hmm. but we're all going to do it. So hmm. he said that he goes, you know, I'm going to show you guys this thing. It's not in the curriculum. And, uh, and, uh, but I know you guys are going to do neck rope. So you might as well know how to do it safely. Right. Right. The, right. Um, and then he showed us some stuff that they do with it. And I was just like, Oh, Oh my God that is so hot. Um, like, and it really comes down to the trust. It's not even watching the person get choked or the rope. It's the fact I, I can't like my panties get so wet when someone trust me enough right. to put rope around their neck and no, I'm not going to choke them or kill right. them um, to be able to tie them up in rope and suspend them uh, where they have no you know, use of their arms and their safety is 100% in my like, you as another human, trust me enough to do that to you? Ha <laughs> Yeah, no, that's oh, like, that's that is interesting. That is a lot. So there's a lot of aesthetics within rope that I really do love. I love making shapes with the body. Um, you know, I love waist rope. Um, I love torture rope, contortions, uh, floor rope, uh, just like, um, I love the engineering of it. But at the end of the day, the, the real, the thing that, you know, is getting me, uh, is, is really creating the space and, um, is, is the trust with the person is the connection with the person is, you know, being halfway through that scene and seeing them, um, 
uh, happily suffer through something, right? Because most of them are going are going to be masochists. Um, I yeah. am definitely a sadist, um, and and like enjoying that on on that level, but then also getting that deeper level of like, holy fuck, this person trusts me to do this to them, and they're enjoying it with a smile, and I created this experience. Like this is amazing. So I, it was, and and I as I learned more rope, um, and as I learned more from, from different, um, teachers, uh, you know, more, um, of the idiosyncrasies and the little thing, extra things you can add in. Um, yeah. What, what drew me to rope is a lot of the little things it's the, you know, um, having someone in a, in a position in a suspension and being able to like adjust an upline, which is like a line that's holding, holding a, a part up. Um, being able to adjust it two inches and getting them to be like, you know, like getting a response, right. With such, you know, um, little stuff. Mm. I, I also really love, um, within kink in general, I really love the fact that like, I absolutely can do like, you know, I'm, I'm used to be a stripper. Like I can get you off if I can touch your parts, <laughs> like, right. like, and to be honest, like, you don't need to be a stripper or sex worker to be able to do that. That's easy. Right. Um, you know, like I, I laugh sometimes when I hear men brag about like, Oh man, I made her have 14 orgasms. I tied her up and I was like, Oh, how'd you do that? And they're like, Oh, I put a Hitachi. And I'm like, I tied a Hitachi to her thigh. And I was like, so I'm sorry, what did you do? Um, oh, like, so what did- like a vibrator? Yeah, yeah, they get like a, t- a tachi, which is very common, and I'm not like shaming it, right? It, but like you but, didn't, like, but yeah. you didn't do that, like, right? So if you can make someone come and rope 14 times when you're not even touching them, now I'm impressed. Now I'm interested. Right. And Tell that is something skills. that's something that happens. Uh, it, uh, it can, yeah, no. depending on what you're doing. Um, now I do rope on all different scales. Like I do rope with people fully clothed, no sexuality at all. This is a artistic performance or, um, a, to be honest, like a therapeutic experience, experience, um, an energy session. Like if you were going to go get your cards read or massage or, um, stonework, acupuncture, like I kind of put it in that realm of stuff, um, because we can definitely, process some stuff that you're emotionally going through, through a rope scene. If you are, um, uh, talk about positioning a lot, right? Like if you're someone, if, if you're having something where you're trying to process being more open, right? Well, maybe I then tie you up in a sequence when she, uh, that starts with you very closed off in the fetal position. And then slowly as we're working through and as you're processing the different feelings of everything, you end up in a very open, almost butterfly position. Right. And um, that can be very therapeutic to have um, a solely focused moment, right? There's no distractions. Uh, there can't be any distractions because you're in the rope. You have to process what you're in right there to let you sit in whatever's going on and then to physically represent that um, in the positioning that you're doing um, can be very therapeutic, right? Um, if you think about like certain meditation and stuff, when you are opening up there, your hands are going out or something and, and your hands are separating and you're opening your body up. We're doing similar types of things within rope. Um, sometimes if, you know, I have someone come to me and they're feeling really lonely or disconnected, um, you know, from their body and themselves. Well, then maybe I'm going to do something that is actually more 
hugging, right? Like maybe I'm going to do an arms front harness where you're That's actually so interesting. in a bear hug. And as we move through positioning, you know, you end up in the fetal position, right? So you end up in your own little like bear hug of rope. Um, and that in itself can be therapeutic to kind of work through, uh, work through whatever, ever emotionally going through. And it doesn't always have to be that intense. Sometimes you're like, I have people come to me and they're just like, I want to be fucking sore tomorrow. Just fuck me up. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and like, yeah. and like, we're not dealing with any emotion. It's just like, and I'm like, yeah, all right, let's yeah. do it. Like put you here, put your leg here. Um, and just to also clarify with people, um, I, call what I do rope bondage, rope bondage suspension. It is also known in Japan as shibari. Um, it's also known as kimbaku. Um, the reason I, I say that so people don't think that I'm talking about something different, it is similar. But the reason why I use rope bondage is because uh, kimbaku and shibari are Japanese arts. And I am not Japanese, nor do I live in Japan. Um, and uh, some of the advocacy activism work I do is, is kind of getting this message out here. Um, sure. The use of shibari uh, in the broke community is oftentimes used uh, to gatekeep or to be mm. pretentious. Um, right, and right. Um, and it can be especially infuriating uh, when people are using it that way um, and they're white men um, that it's like, wait, but you're, (laughs) you're not Japanese. (laughs) So why are you telling me how to correctly pronounce Japanese words? Uh, Like, you know, um, they love to be on slain. That's fine. Yeah. Favorite thing to do. (laughs) I actually, Um, oh, you know what? I have to tell this story. It's one of my favorite stories that pertains to that. I went to uh, an intensive, which uh, within the rope community is going to be like two days with a a rope teacher, rope master typically. Um, And you'll have, uh, it'll be small. So you'll have five to eight couples and you just kind of go in to the details and everything and you get a lot of one-on-one attention. So I got to go to an intensive with um, a female Japanese rigger uh, by the name of Saki Kimoju. And... um, I was super excited. Uh, she had to have a translator. Like she was had to teach the class in Japanese. So it's probably one of the most authentic classes that I've gotten to go to. And there was one point in the class where she was, uh, oh, sorry, let me also set this up. I am the only person of color other than the woman, her no translator way. and her partner in this group of like right, right. 25 people. Um, I'm also the only female rigger. Um, and, uh, so she's teaching a box tie, which is a a rope harness where your arms are behind your back. Um, it's probably one of the most common ones you'll see when you look stuff up. And, um, she showed a part of, of, uh, the tie, um, where she did something, she put the rope like behind some other rope when a lot of people put it in front of that, that part of the rope. Okay. And um and it oh yeah put it behind your da 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 just kind of and kind of moves on and there was about three or four male riggers that literally you they couldn't help themselves from like kind of saying something like wait did she just go in like in front of the stem right like while she's still teaching and they're just just kind of fell out their seats to be honest I'm like (gasps) right and I'm like okay like I think like that's how she's teaching this pattern I'm going to listen to the Japanese woman who right. is teaching us about the Japanese art, right? Yes. <laughs> so after she got done teaching it, three grown white men bum rush her, right? 
bum rush her up the front. And we're like, so can you tell me? Because the last time you were here, you said you should always go behind the stem and you went in front of the stem and da 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 da. And she basically was like, it it doesn't matter. You can do either way. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of her response. But I was just like, I have never in my life <laughs> ever felt so entitled that at a class like this where I'm learning something directly from the source from an expert that I would physically bum rush her even like three men so like at at no point did two of the men go oh someone else is bum rushing her maybe I'll slow down (laughs) like no all three of you this tiny woman and then um still to this day I can't get I just I play it back in my head and I just can't I'm like this is a perfect example when we talk about entitlement what the fuck we're talking about exactly like how um you know I have another friend in the community that's half Japanese she was born in Japan spoke fluent Japanese moved here at a young age was teased and ridiculed because she was you know English was her second language and um then she gets into rope bondage as an adult and she's like, you know, it just is, it's profound when you have been teased about speaking your native language your whole life. And then all of a sudden a white man's like, you're not speaking your native language correctly. Oh like, my God, that happened to her? Yeah. Or that's not actually how you pronounce that. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Or people also bum rushing her or questioning her during a class um and she understands like she's mixed so like she's can be white passing at times right um and so but even that again even when they thought she was a white woman um you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like but then when you find like again if i find out someone's one i'm not going to correct someone like that anyways but like when i know that they're part Jap- japanese and not like Again, not like born in, not Japanese American. Like she was born in Japan. Right. She spoke the language. Right, right. Um, yeah, just, it's, I don't know. It's an entitlement that I well, don't think I'll ever experience if, in my life. Of course, yeah, because you're amazing and thoughtful and wonderful. And, you know, you've been raised completely differently. And like, and they're, yeah, it's just, it, it's mind boggling. And it actually points to something that I wanted to ask you, which was about, um, you know, and now I feel silly asking this question, but don't feel silly. Is is rope bondage is that particular industry within sex work like plays plagued with discrimination like yeah. other sex work? And I find it really interesting that you said in this class it was majoritively white men that are tying up other mm-hmm. people and like oh. Yeah, I mean in the rope in the rope community it is it is a majority of white men that are the riggers. Um yeah. And there's multiple reasons for that one. um, You know, I will admit that there is, there is a little bit of a boundary for people of, of color sometimes within kink financially, sometimes just finding kink spaces that there's more than two people of color, Um, you know, finding uh, uh, safe spaces within kink. I think, again, these are common in many different spaces within our country. Um, but then also just money, just money. Um, Got be, it. Um, rope is inexpensive and you can do so many kinky things with rope. Rope itself is cheap. Um, 
the, the, the money you're going to spend is in the education if you want to get into suspension or a performance or teaching or, or more advanced tying. Right. Um, and the reason why a majority of white men were teaching is because statistically white men can afford to take two months off of work and pay $10,000 to learn from a Japanese sensei, which would be a, a, a rope master. Wow. Um, because that's, that's where the art is. That's where the masters are. Right. So this derives from a Japanese culture. Yes. Okay. I didn't understand that. I kind of, I guess in my ignorant brain thought, Oh, it's their version of like, it's what it's called. It's what they call it. But I didn't really understand that until it's really hitting me right now. Like, yeah, this derives from that culture and yes. they are the masters of it. Yes. Yeah. And, and not only does it derive from that culture, but they also experienced uh, uh, some of the oppression and backlash that they're sex workers, they're sex workers in Japan, right? right? They're not um, like they come here and they're, you know, rock stars because we're like, oh, my God, this talent you have. It's amazing. Um, and it is. But like they're sex workers and a lot of them are, you know, underground. The people that, you know, originally were doing photography and magazines and stuff in Japan, like I've been arrested multiple times. Um, uh but there is also some differences in Japanese culture as far as American culture. Um, Japanese culture is a little bit more of, of what you'd call a shame-based culture. And American right. culture is a little bit more of a guilt-based culture. So, um, <laughs> Oh my it's gosh, just, it's so true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like in Japan, you might have, like you might be at family dinner and your mother may also go learn rope from the same master that you maybe learn rope from. Wow. But you're just never gonna talk about it. Right. Okay. So like you can do it underground and you know and and but you just never talk about it. Right. That's, yeah. In in America, there's still some guilt uh you know around going to do these things. That's why, you know, a lot of times people don't know there's a whole community of people that do these things because it is very kind of underground. Right. Um and it had had to be, and sometimes it still has to be, because in some of the places in the country, the shit is still illegal. Um and what, what exactly is illegal? Like uh, stuff? BDSM things. Really? Um, okay. You know, there's not like there's some places that, you know, if you uh if you live in an apartment and you're loud and they call the police, like it's a roll of the dice, whether that cop's going to understand what you're doing and, and what you're doing is consensual. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. That didn't even cross my mind that if a cop mm, walks in on your session, they're like, what the fuck is going on in here? Yeah. yeah. And you're like, what? This is normal. And they're yeah. like, no. Yeah. I get that. Cause like, even for, if I walked in a, because I'm, I'm exposed to these things mm -hmm. on a regular basis, even though I'm ignorant about it, I still see it and like i wouldn't think anything of it if unless they were like yelling out like help me help me i'd be like oh yeah i've seen that before but i can totally see cops rolling up on that yeah my um Be my weird. friend uh actually went to go do and we do this but it is i i do want to emphasize it is a um privilege if you are able to do rope in public places, but it's right. always amazing because you can get amazing pictures. And yeah. I had a friend that uh, was doing a rope scene. He's a, a person of color and his bottom was white and they were doing a rope scene like in a park. 
uh, to take some pictures, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they did have the cops roll up. <laughs> um, sure. And uh, yeah, and it could, you know, um, they got lucky that I think one of the cops was curious and one of them knew what was going on. Right. Okay. Um, and, and the girl was very clearly like, oh, this is consensual. We're doing a photo shoot. Um, you can also get away sometimes with, you know, just being actually really blatant about it. Like go to a very public area, do rope, be clothed and just be like, we're doing an art project for college. Uh, you know, like, um, <laughs> if you're fun college. <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you're clothed and you're not, uh, doing stuff that's focused in eroticism, you can get away with doing more stuff in public, but it's still a huge risk for people of color, um, at any time. Sure. Right. Sure. Yes. Um, as well as, you know, I can understand, uh, you know, especially black people having an issue with just rope being suspended from rope. There's, yeah, a, sure, there sure. is a history there. Yes. Um, but I've also found that a lot of black people have found it very empowering, um, actually to kind of reclaim some of that, uh, trauma in a more positive way, uh, because, yeah. because kink and rope is consensual. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have um, dominant submissive relationship dynamics. Right. Um, uh, people do have what are called master slave dynamics uh, within kink. The difference is consent. Right. Uh, right. For, absolutely. For, for people who think BDSM and kink is abuse. The difference is consent. Uh, if I right. beat my partner and he doesn't consent, that is abuse. When right. I beat my partner, uh, it's not abuse because he's consented and he's giggling. <laughs> like, you know? um, yeah. Uh, but as soon as he wants to revoke that consent, he can at any time. That is, right. um, you know, if you want to get deep down into the psychology, like at the end of the day, the submissive does have the power because at any of the day they can read out of a situation. They can so what? Can, they can what? Uh, safe word. But you said, you said a word. Yeah. Red? red, red is typically is a very common safe word, safe word for people in kink. Oh, um, okay. So okay. say you're getting into a scene or, um, you know, we use safe words in our, we're in a 24 seven dynamic. So mm -hmm. he's in his submissive role 24 seven. Um, and we live together. So if he needs to, uh, maybe have a conversation about our dominant submissive dynamic that is safe and is not, I, I, that we're not in those roles. We're just two, you know, humans, then he can, he can like red. He can be like, Oh, you know what? I need a red out of this. Can we have a conversation about this, this situation or have a conversation about something? Or if we're in a scene, like, you know, we're doing a flogging scene. Right. And we typically use a kind of like a what they call like stoplight system, green, yellow, red. Um, so say he yellows, he's like yellow. Um, that would let me know like, Ooh, what you're doing is going a little too hard, but I'm not, I'm not done, but you're just doing you know, like, well, let's back it up a little bit. Mm -hmm, if they mm -hmm. read, that means, Ooh, I'm done. Like mm -hmm, that, nope, that's mm -hmm, it. Scene's mm -hmm. over. Um, you can read cause you know, you've hit your limit or you can read cause you know, maybe something is starting to happen that didn't, wasn't consented to. Um, uh, tops can also read out of a scene. Like I, like you can get to a point where you're like, well, I mean, that's part of your role as the dominant or the top is to watch the bottom. Bottoms can also get lost in a scene, uh, that adrenaline rush and they, they start taking more than maybe what they consented to, um, or maybe what you think is, uh, safe. 
And right. so as a top, you can also read and be like, Ooh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and read and, and back us out of this scene. Um, because you're, you're as, as the bottom, they're getting into a headspace that is, uh, maybe deeper than you want to go. Um, when you're doing this type of play, it is like natural drugs. That's the best way to explain it. Uh, you are going to get high from it. Uh, right. You are going of course. To, yeah. Um, you're going to get adrenaline rushes. You're going to get dopamine rushes, whether you are the one doing the things or the one experiencing the things. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting high just from listening <laughs> to all this. I'm like, wow. Like I keep having moments. I'm like, whoo, you know, because it's like so incredibly fascinating. And like, I also am, am really intrigued and curious and, and, uh, you know, just fascinated by the level of communication, like the mature yes. communication that goes back and forth and like always being aware that that consent line can change at any moment and being like agreeing, like whenever that consent line changes, like I'm with you and I hear you, you know, and that sounds like it's really important in these types of settings. It's 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 vital for, mm -hmm. um, you know, for reasons I just mentioned that there's right. some places where some of this stuff is still illegal. And that is the def definition between abuse and um, and and fun um, right. is consent. And so, yeah, right. a huge, a huge, huge part of the kink community is consent practices and communication. And something I mention a lot on my YouTube channel, on my social media is that, like, I may be talking about spanking or whipping or you know, mummification or whatever other fetish, CBT, rope bondage, whatever I'm talking about. But even if you don't do any of those things, um, my content at the end of the day is teaching you how to have better interpersonal relationships. That's mm. what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, we suck at communicating with each other. We do as humans. <sighs> um, no we suck. Yeah. Uh, and we are getting worse at it. Uh, with, you know, technology, not to sound like a boomer or anything, but like, it's true. Um, it's, it's difficult sometimes to get people to like have a zoom conversation because they just want to text. And I'm like, but I can't read your tone over text. I can't see your face or read your nonverbals over text. And when it comes to communication, 70% of it is nonverbal. It's not what as the words that are coming out of your mouth. Um, and we very much in our society struggle with communication. I have, I have resolved many arguments, um, <laughs> many disagreements between people since I've been in kink because I'm looking at them and I'm like, you guys are saying the same thing. It's just, <laughs> you think this word means this mm -hmm. and you are using a different word, even though you guys think the, think that you're saying the same thing. Right. 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 Um, and so, you know, in, in kink, we really talk about like defining terminology. So like, say we're going to do a spanking scene, right. Or it let's, we'll call it an impact play scene. Um, and I go, you know, you want to do some impact play? And you're like, yeah. And impact play to you means spankings on the butt with my hand. But okay. impact play to me means flogging from head to toe. Ooh. Right? Yeah, but, very different, but yes. same. Right? Yes. But okay. we both negotiate and said impact play. And you said impact play and I said impact play. And we said, great, but we didn't define what that meant. So now we get in the scene and you're expecting hands in your butt. And I just came in with a huge ass fucking rubber flogger. And you're like, what, what the fuck just happened? Why are you, <laughs> why are you hitting my back? Right. Uh, you're supposed to be spanking my butt. Well, we didn't define what impact play meant to you and what it meant to me. Right. So when we negotiate before scenes, when we're, um, 
which is which is what we call the conversation to kind of get that informed consent. You know, I always remind people define define terminology, uh, define what someone means by I want a sensual something. Right. Sensual to some people means sexual. Sensual to other people mm. means light touch. Doesn't necessarily mean sexual, right? And I think that these concepts play out in everyday vanilla life. Um, if you think about uh, the next time you kind of have a conflict with someone or maybe they're not understanding uh, what you're saying, ask them to define some of the key terminology and see if you don't understand what they're saying a little bit more. Wow. Yes. That's so interesting. And it's so mm -hmm. fucking simple, you know, and it's like we don't even take the. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is why I love sex workers <laughs> so much. <laughs> well, it's just I think part of sex work forces you well one it forces you to have to understand consent yeah. um right uh but um you it, well i mean and and we have we have lots of opportunities to practice consent mm -hmm. <laughs> like to practice that interaction with people mm -hmm. um in in sexually you know driven spaces um but yeah you you can't ethically practice kink without personally growing yourself and also improving your communication skills. Yeah. When dominants come to me and are like, okay, I want to be a dom. What's the first thing I need to learn? And I was like, you need to go spend a couple months improving your communication. Yes. <laughs> they'll, be like, they'll be like, what? And I'm like, I, I don't need to even talk to you to already tell you that it sucks. Right. <laughs> like, because <laughs> everything, everything in our normal, uh, you know, in the kink world, we call anything that's not kink vanilla. Um, everything in vanilla world is not promoting healthy communication or even ethical consent practices. Uh, 100%. 100%. So, yeah. Yes. So you have to go learn those skills. Um, yes. I also think people connect a lot of kink and rope bondage and stuff to sex, which is uh, which we are also taught in vanilla spaces just as an inherent thing that we naturally know how to do. It's not. You also need to learn how to do it and learn your own body uh, <laughs> yeah. and not just women, men. This is, here's a quick tip for any men listening to this. Uh, most of you haven't actually had real orgasms. Oh, what? hold on. Let that sit. Let that sit for a second. I know you think you've had real orgasms. You've come many times, I'm sure, but you haven't, most of you haven't had real orgasms um, because men are taught that orgasms happen when you ejaculate, uh, but they're not taught that you can teach yourself how to have orgasms, just like women also have to teach themselves how to have orgasms. Um, our society, because we shame and guilt so much about sexuality, uh, we don't teach people that, again, it's not just a skill you are evolutionarily. Yeah, evolution-wise, you can figure out what goes in what hole. Uh, but it's not <laughs> like you you need to, like, you don't, you're not born knowing how to, like, rock climb, right? Like, you got to go, like, read some stuff. You got to buy some equipment. You got to go get an educator. It's the same thing with sex and your relationships and communication. Right. So... To think that we inherently have these skills that we don't like, even in your vanilla relationships that you and your partner don't need to go learn how to communicate better. I can tell you, you do. Wow. So I feel like I'm learning so much. Um, so thank you for all of that. It's just necessary information. Um, I, you know, something that I saw you talk about on one of your YouTube videos was um, about how violence to black women and black trans people is rooted and can be traced back to the church. Um, 
and I just learned a few months ago, like, like literally like there's racist shit written in the Bible. I wouldn't know cause I didn't read the fricking Bible, you know? Um, I tried. <laughs> it was so misogynistic. I can't. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to know like a little bit more, you know, to elaborate on that because I know yeah. that you have a lot of strong thoughts towards, um, you know, organized religion as do I. So yeah. that, that intrigues me. Yeah. So, uh, like I mentioned before, I grew up in, um, a very religious home. I am, I am now officially calling it uh, the the cult of of evangelicalism, um, because yes. I do think I do think there are different levels. I do know other friends that grew up in the church that mm-hmm. didn't have the same ex- like as intensive an experience I did. But to quickly uh, give you a background, I grew up in a non denominational church with very conservative Christian parents. I wasn't allowed to shave my legs or wear makeup until I was thirteen. I wasn't allowed to date till I was sixteen. I was um, I had to opt out of sex ed in my high school education to take a purity oh. class by myself in the library. No. Um, <laughs> I led youth group. I led uh, church rallies. I sat out front of um, like big arenas at four o'clock in the morning so I could make sure that I was at the front row at the you know youth group revival. I've been to creation. I've led people to Christ. I've spoken tongues. I've been I've been laid out. I've laid other people. I've done all the things deepest into the cult. Wait, you spoke in um, tongues? Is that what you yes. said? Wow. Yes. Um, I've been prophesied over. Ironically enough, the prophecy that uh, they gave me, I am actually completing now. I just don't think that they thought it would be against the church. Because <laughs> 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 ironic. Um, but um, so just to give a very brief background, um, I am quite fluent in this. Um, let's see, the... Left Behind books. Uh, if you uh, grew up in the, what, the church, you will know what I'm talking about. I've mm. seen the movies. Um, it's, a, you know, kind of a fictional story that was made about uh, the apocalypse, which is end times and revelations in the Bible. Mm, okay. Um, so this is something, um, let's see, I moved out of the house right, right after 18, and I think it took about six years for me to like fully disengage from the church and, Mm. and be, um, I think I identified as an atheist, uh, for a while. Um, now I'm more kind of like, um, I'm a witch. That's this. Let's just be blunt. Uh, I pray to my African ancestors. Uh, Mm. I do rituals. I have a altar. So I went all the way the other direction. Um, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not religious in like an organized religious way. They're just self practices at home. Right. Um, which I think is healthy. I think there's a lot of good things about religion that can be healthy. Um, I think what most people are looking for is community and connection. And uh, if we, I think there's just more productive ways we can do that. Mm. But going into the history of it, yes. um, I know that you had mentioned before, because uh, I have a little video where I talked about this, um, but uh, I, as I was getting more into activism work as a Black person, I was just like, I don't understand why we still worship white Jesus. Like, I don't understand why we still worship the master's religion or the master's God. Um, I don't understand why, 
like black women in my life have come up to me to try to like get me into Bible study or like, you know, my skirt's too short. So they need to save me for Jesus or whatever. And like, like if that happens to me in the future, I'm going to stop them and I'm going to shame them. I'm going to be like, nah, (laughs) nah, actually what you need to do is you need to go learn our ancestors traditions. I'm mad that you haven't taught me how to fucking pray to the ancestors or how to do fucking the dances that we're supposed to do from our culture. I actually, I need you to not try to get me back into the slave religion. Um, And I think that, I I, I think that, well, not think, I know that, that this connects because, you know, uh, I started speaking more and doing more research on this when the little Nas video came out a couple Mm. months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always thought this, I've theories have been going on in my head, but after that video came out and I actually watched some of the pushback. I mean, YouTube is only going to give me the liberal stuff that I watch. Let's be honest, the woke stuff I watch. But for some reason, it randomly popped up a video from a black pastor talking about the little Nas video. And so I listened to it for a little bit. It's good to know what your enemies are talking about. And um, and I just was like, this is violent. Um, there is no way that you cannot see the connection behind the church saying things like that and trans people. And I mean, I identify as queer myself, um, are going to hell and are shameful. Um, we we can talk to the victims. Like this isn't something we need to question. Uh, we can talk to thousands, possibly millions of people who know someone who is not alive right now because of the shame and guilt and shit that the church put on them. Um, and I talk about the church as an institution, just I talk like I talk about racism as an institution. There are individually great people in the church, but the institution itself is uh, flawed and harmful. Right. Um, like not even harmful, it's violent. It's right. violent. Absolutely. Um, and to not be able to connect the fact that you have the church saying that these people are heathens and they're going to hell and like trans people are the devil or whatever else to not be able to see how that connects to the justification that black men put in their heads about the violence that, that is put on them. I mean, I don't see how you cannot make that connection. Um, and then, I mean, we're talking about black women. I mean, you mentioned the the Bible is very uh, misogynistic, misogynistic and mm-hmm. very patriarchal yes. and black women are always at the bottom of any of those systems. Yeah. yeah right. Point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that, you know, I think part of the problem is that Christianity is a belief system, um, is a faith based religion. But unfortunately, a, a majority of the promoters and followers want to teach it as fact. Um, you know, like there are creation museums. That's an oxymoron. I understand. Because museums are supposed to have historical <laughs> factual artifacts. Uh, yeah. And you there's no artifacts in these things. It's stuff that they created based on the Bible, which was not written when any of those people were alive. Um, if you want to go into like the factual part of it, what I like to emphasize in America is the first black people that were Christians were had a church were slaves. And the slave owner gave this church building to a black slave that he trusted. Hmm. Okay. 
to preach this. Uh, so they would have a controlled space to socialize, right? To have a little, you know, um, and also to keep them being slaves. <laughs> like it wasn't to teach you or to preach to, you know, like we already had our religions, number one, when we came to this country or if we were already in this country, um, but it was used to keep you enslaved. They taught you that in God's eyes, eyes were all equal. Like in heaven, we're all equal, not here on earth. No, no, no. Here on earth, you're a slave. But in heaven, <sighs> yeah, God thinks that we're equals. And isn't that something to work for? I don't understand why it can't be the same in both places then. Like that really bothers me about like people who are like, well, Jesus this and Jesus that. And it's like, well, Jesus wouldn't like how you treat people and how you're not loving your neighbor for who they are. And like that you judge people by how they're dressed and how they act. Like that's not what the real Jesus did. Like, I don't understand this like twist in the story that everyone got. I'm baffled by that. And then, um, yeah, they're like, oh, you're different here, but up there you're the same. Like, why can't we make heaven on earth here? Like what? Well, you but know? that's the, that's the thing is that, you know, it's ingrained in you from childhood. So we're talking about people that are heavily brainwashed. Um, right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it took me six years and studious education of like lots of research and like, and also lots of pushback. Um, you know, my mom, uh, my adopted mom couldn't, was beside herself when I was considering voting for Obama. And she was like, how could you do that? He's murdering babies because abortion is the oh, big right, issue. Right, 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 right. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm going to be honest though. Like, I didn't tell her this, but like, I like gay people and I'm gay. Like, <laughs> like it just, that was, that was the big thing that really hindered me with the church was I was like, but I want to lick vaginas and, and like, and I want to have friends that are gay. These people are awesome. I don't understand why we can't accept them. Um, so that was, that was kind of my, you know, first push off. Um, and, you know, I was raised in very much purity culture. So I started doing some research about that and like the whole just identity or like our just the idea and theory of virginity and purity was created in the church as a form of control. Like in yeah. um, Puritan times, like the or uh, not Puritan, uh, sorry, uh, Victorian, Victorian times uh, is when a lot of uh, oppression and repression of the church came. Like the, we look at the dresses and everything and like they're amazing and we want to wear them now, but they were up to their neck and down to their ankles for a reason. For a it reason. wasn't, yeah. it wasn't just fashion. It was, if you show your ankle, you are, you can be, can you as the woman will be condemned for tempting the men. Um, you know, a lot of the onus is put on the woman to protect. Absolutely. I don't, I don't understand that to this day. And I remember yeah. like hearing when, um, uh, when ballet was starting to evolve and it was time for them to raise the skirts higher because for functionality purposes and they rose the, the skirts above the ankles, um, there was like a whole coalition formed yes. to get them to lower their skirts back down. Yeah. We actually, if you go through some uh, fashion, historical fashion history, you will see that the the shorts started getting, sh the skirts started getting a little shorter, like in the, I think it was like the uh, 30s or 40s. And then uh, Christianity, evangelical influence on politics and culture 
put those skirt lengths right back down, uh, like in the fifties. Um, now I may so have my odd. decades a little bit off, but sure. it's the, um, it's the influence into everyday culture. I mean, we live in a, like, if we want to you know, get political about it. We live in a country that is supposed to be separation of church and state. Oh, and don't we'll say even that. Get me we'll say, started. Separation of <laughs> church and state, but it's in God we trust on the money. And, you know, we will have politicians come out and be like, this is a free country, freedom of religion. And then they'll be like, let's all bow our heads to Jesus, Lord Christ, or Savior. They'll say, or they'll say, God bless America at the end of their shit. Or we have in yeah. high school, we had to pledge allegiance to fucking God every single day of our lives. Yeah. Like, what is that? Well, it, the thing is what people don't realize because they don't teach you because the people who wrote the history books, books, to be honest, a lot of them are Christian conservative Texas women. There was like there was a coalition of Texas women that helped. That's one reason why a lot of your books are from Texas. So they took a lot of the shit out that don't make them look good, um, like mm. that they justified this for slavery or that the reason why you have private um uh, let's see private schools, which are normally ran by church, you know, churches, uh, they fought segregate, like integration, like to the point where they're willing to lose their tax write-off status because they did not want to integrate, uh, homeschooling, a big part of homeschool culture came from people of the church, taking their kids out of their private school because the schools had to integrate with black people. Like there, this is all rooted. That's in how racism. homeschooling started. Not how homeschooling started, but how a big part of the culture within right. within Christianity and homeschooling. Uh, and again, they don't mm -hmm. like it's there's history to back this up. Like in God, we sure. trust wasn't always on our money. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? God wasn't always in our Pledge of Allegiance. I didn't know that. Like this stuff happened in the 50s and 60s. Well, OK, and that makes organized. so much sense. That makes so much sense because that's also when they started when they added Christopher Columbus to the school books because they wanted um, they wanted a prominent, like positive Catholic figure to be in our school books. I think was, Italian, too. Was it Italian? No, uh, was he was he? Spanish, I Spanish. think. Yeah. I think, but um, it was it, it was all around that same time between fifties and sixties. Yep. So it sounds like there was like a big push and a movement during that time. And oh my god, yeah, it's just it's a, a lot of people, and I feel like especially with the younger generations, um, if you were taught the correct history, if we weren't taught straight fucking lies and propaganda, right, you would know this because it's interconnected with our history and politics. It's not like it's separate; they're interconnected. Right. The reason right. why Texas just banned abortions is because religious people think that banning abortions will let will make people not have sex. That's what they think. They don't <laughs> they don't like they and they won't think past that because of their religion. Oh they won't go. They won't think, oh, no, maybe we should recognize the fact that people fuck. None of your shit has worked. Um and they can't acknowledge that because then they would have to acknowledge their own impurities because none of them are fucking virgins when they got married either. Like it's all a facade. It's <laughs> yeah. all a lie, right? Like my own mother, like my entire life preached this shit that, that implied she was a virgin when she got married. And I remember asking her straight out and she's like, it's not appropriate. We'll talk about it when you're 18. And I genuinely think she thought I was going to forget. And I was like, ah, oh, bitch, that was the first thing I was doing when I turned 18. Um, marking were out my you, calendar today. I ask mom were again. You, yeah. Were you a virgin <laughs> when you got married? And the thing is, I didn't, I only asked even really just to annoy her at that point, because if you were, you would have said, yes, I was a virgin. And the right. first time I saw a dick, it was your dad's. If you were, you would have just said that. If you would have like, you know, they, it's like 
my parents hid things from me and didn't educate me about things thinking that would keep me from doing things. And that just keeps people that only, uh, keeps people doing things unsafely. Right. Just like I was mentioning earlier with the neck rope, we're going to do it. Right. We're going to do it. You might as well teach us how to do it safely. Right. The absolute just ignoring of of intellectual information by the church is absolutely infuriating. I mean, I don't think people understand that there is a portion of students that are still taught creation as a solid truth, not not evolution as an option. They are in Christian churches or Christian schools that teach this as a factual truth. And the it it's it's the idea that they want to erase anything in their history that shows they were not moral because they always want to have this moral high ground uh as well as the fact that they don't practice what they preach how many pastors have come out with sex workers with fucking gay as pedophiles like oh, Matt, yeah. Matt Gates is being fucking investigated for <sighs> sex trafficking right now yeah so your your oppressive culture is not working. It is only harming people. Definitely. Um, and it gets worse and worse as time goes on and as more people are being on the planet and then the numbers of brainwashed people gets higher and higher. It creates a worse and more scary scenario for all of us. Yeah, but, it's terrifying. Lo- yeah, luckily, you know, call it the information. I don't know exactly the pinpoint reason. I'm sure it's a mix of a lot of things, but we're slowly becoming less churched. I think as these uh, younger generations are coming up in a culture where they're allowed to figure out their sexual identity in high school, uh, you know, they're allowed to come out as gay in high school. Like the amount of money and trauma we spent with the last few generations, hindering them from being able to come out with as these things till they're 25 or 28 or fucking 55. Exactly. Like, even older. That's, yeah. yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and to not understand that that is harming our community, like that's harming your community you Absolutely. live in, um, is just insane. So I think part of that is helping because they are seeing, oh, I don't want to be part of the church because I can't be gay. I want to have butt sex, like, you know, um, and they're like, so the numbers are going down, but the the influence that it has in our politics, right? Like, I have no problem with religion. Go do your religion. Uh, you don't get a tax write-off. Fuck you. Sorry. You shouldn't get a tax write-off. Um, and two, like you shouldn't be involved in our politics. I don't care. Like it, you can't exactly. write policy based on the Bible. Like that's just crazy. Exactly. And that's, that's literally what we're trying to do in Texas right now. Like Texas in the last six months has, they're a is, mess. It's a mess. It's a mess, but <laughs> it's all, it's all rooted. It's all perpetuated. It's all yeah. justified by religion. This is God's work. God told me I needed to do this. Well, God, wait, wait, God didn't tell you shit. That was your own voice in your head. Yeah. Wow. Um, I could talk to you about this four hours. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. For hours so and hours. To touch on. Yeah. And I love how sometimes you're yelling because I feel Sorry. like that. No, no, no. Because it's like me sometimes when I'm like have conversations like this with like family members or like my really close friends and I'm like, because it's just like infuriating. It's, so it's I, I feel you. I feel yeah. you, you know, and I just I, I'm I'm so grateful to like have like a, like a deep like and, and when you said like separation of church and state like i saw a post recently by the um major williams who's running for governor of california and is running republican and he 
posted a picture of him like at church and was like on his like I'm running for governor page. And I was just like, wow, why? Like, stop. I don't want to know about your church shit. The Democrats have to do it, too. Like that, that's the problem. It's not like it's just the Republicans, like not one president has gotten elected without having like, let's be honest. You really think Obama is a, is an evangelical Christian, that intellectual man? Really? Mm. Really? Or did mm. he know the act that you need to play to get elected? Exactly. In because they, they all do this thing. This drives me nuts. They all do the, the religious dinner. I forget what they call it. It's like a, it's like a, an event that they have every, every year and every sitting president has ever done it. And it's a religious God dinner specific. There was was people that were excited and thought it was diversity because Biden's the first, like one of the few Catholic presidents. I was like, I'm sorry. Number one, Catholics (laughs) don't even talk to me and tell you deal with your pedophilia. Fuck off as a religion. Um, But two, like that doesn't make that. Has there been a Muslim president? Has there been a witch president? Has there been a Buddhist president? No. Different, but different denominations of the same evangelical shit is not diversity. But and if there was, though, that would not be okay with like so many people. Lady Brown. Right. <laughs> like you're like, do you think if Obama had been any other religion, would he have gotten like if he had come out as an atheist, he would not have gotten elected. No, absolutely that is not. The you're right. The yeah, you're right. You God have to present to church. Yeah, you have to present as I'm a God fearing person. You it's have to present facade. that in order to get into. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I hate to say this person's name on here, so I'm not going to do that. But like the 45th, like that motherfucker did not believe in shit. That, shit that was the most blatant um like trump exposed evangelicals for the truth which is you don't give a fuck about what's actually in your bible you just have you, like it's really over abortion they were willing to take everything trump gave them all of this, like this heathen who really was, if there was an antichrist, it would have been him. Um, <laughs> like they're willing to to take all of that just so they could get this bill that the, that the Supreme Court is going to see yeah. in the fall about abortion. What is your religion? What are you living for at this point? Like that right. that's what you're willing to do right. over this and I last little point on this, I cannot emphasize this enough. The people who are making decisions about your vagina, young women, your uterus, it's not just men. It's a bunch of women that uteruses don't work no more. They don't have to worry about even having to make this decision. They've already had their abortions. They don't have to worry about oh, it. Oh, snap. So let's be honest. <laughs> the reason why they make these laws is because the rich people who make them, they're not worried about not getting their abortion when their exactly. daughter needs it. They're not worried about it. Uh, I also want to uh, ask them what they're going to do when their daughter gets knocked up by a black guy. If you ban abortion. Always, just rhetorical question. Just think about it. If people are listening, Wh- what do you do then? Right. Because mm, 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 like we we'll see. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. 
Yeah, literally, I could talk to you for hours, but we just, we can't, we can't, we can do it yes, again sometimes. Yeah, we can do it again sometimes. <laughs> if you if you like my rants, I normally do this on my YouTube page and uh, yes, and my Instagram. Um, a big part of of activism is just educating, and the more that I learn, the more I'm like, oh, if we just let people know the truth, we will yes. fix some of these problems. Exactly. I don't think a majority of people are evil racist people. I think a majority of people are ignorant and have been lied to. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's stripper tips. Be authentic. Mm. Be authentically you in whatever you're doing. Like if you or a cowgirl, or you like cosplay, or like that's who you are outside. Do find that way that that works within stripping because the clients that are going to give you money are going to give you more money <laughs> because <laughs> you are going to be able to uh, portray that more in a better way than any role that you try to mm-hmm. pretend to be. And I tell that people with uh, kink stuff and pro dom work as well. If you are not a screaming, yelling, mean dom, you're kind of a sweet mommy dom, do that. Uh, because the people who, um, the, the clients you're going to get, that's what they want. And when you are authentic, you make more money. That's just the reality of the thing because our life is starved for authenticity. Um, everything is so fake. We just went through a bunch of different topics that explain yeah. Every level of our country where we are putting on facades for everyone, everyone right. is putting on a facade, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. And so we are so starved for authenticity. And when do you want more authenticity than when, you know, you're doing your, your, your vulnerable, intimate, sexy things? Yeah. Um, awesome. uh, yeah. I, and, awesome. and, and, and sorry, let me add one more thing no on that. Uh, for the, for the people who, um, pay for our work. Um, we know you better than anyone. We are with you in your most intimate moments. Most of the time, whether we are actually there or you're watching us on screen, our energy is connected with you. You can try to deny us rights. You can try to deny we don't exist and lie about you, but we're there. We are have imprinted on you. Uh, so embrace it. Um, and you'll live with less shame and, uh, and pain in your life. Beautifully said. <laughs> Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. Would you rather have edible spaghetti hair that regrows every night or sweat maple syrup? Sweat maple syrup. I know, right? Because <laughs> could eat it off you. That makes so much sense. How long do you think you'd survive in a zombie apocalypse? Oh, pretty long. I'd be organizing all the resources. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> what would you do if you could live forever? Oh, uh, be a vampire? I don't know. I've always wanted to be a vampire. I'm actually really mad that I'm 35 and not a vampire yet. <laughs> not that yet. Was, yeah, like that. When people ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to be a vampire. Um, so if I could live forever, uh, I would take the cor- curse of having to suck people's blood. I would. Wow. Nice. I like yeah. Okay, last one. What would you call a male? Ladybug. A ladybug? Classic. Whatever the male ladybug wants to be called. <laughs> I love it. 
Oh my God, it's just so much fun. And you know what, <laughs> yeah. everyone out there in listening land, if you love this podcast as much as I do and you listen to it on the regs, we really would appreciate your tips because after all, we are sex workers over here and we love Hello. tips. Monies. So, yeah, so if you want to share your wealth, you can find us at paypal.me forward slash yes a stripper podcast or go to yes a stripper podcast.com and click on the very fancy donate button and your money goes towards past future guests and hosts including new hosts coming up very soon can't wait to announce all of that juicy info exciting posh can you please tell everyone how we can follow you and be obsessed with you Yes. Um, you can, uh, check out my service offerings and, uh, you can see some of the row performances and pictures I've done on my website at the mpexperience.com. You can check out my YouTube channel. That is the MP MP for Madam Posh experience on YouTube. I am on Instagram at posh.ropes on Twitter at Madam Posh two and on Facebook at mistress posh. I know they're all different handles, but unfortunately when you do sex work, people like to delete your accounts. Ah, so it'd be nice to have one brand across them all, yeah. but you can also see them all posted on uh, on my YouTube and on uh, my webpage. Basically, you can go to platforms and search Madam yep. Posh, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I there will come up. Yeah. I will come up as well as a couple uh, tea shops. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten tagged in a couple. <laughs> so the person, not the tea shop. Got it. <laughs> I just, I, I so loved when that happened because I'm sure some very lovely ladies got a surprise when they tagged on my Instagram <laughs> thinking I was a high tea shop. That's hilarious. I mean, we can do high tea, but I will probably have some submissives tied up as furniture. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much yes, for spending so much time with us today. And thank you to everyone else for listening. New podcast comes out every Wednesday. This is your favorite podcast. Yes, a stripper podcast. Bye. Happy kinking. Farewell. Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode has been a production with Period Podcast Network. Find out more on Instagram at Period Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, too, at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Please like, subscribe, and rate Yes, a Stripper Podcast here on YouTube. See you next week. <laughs>